Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Why do people say Cleveland rocks? I just don't get it. It doesn't really rock except for the, the Hall of Fame, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, I was supposed to be doing a preaching internship at this particular place. You know, right? Sitting in a nice air-conditioned office, reading, writing, researching, good stuff. You know, with a, a pot of coffee and snacks, right? But for some reason, I, for at least a few weeks, had a volunteer at a kid's camp. Now, I do not know why that I agreed to do this. The, the kid's pastor, the children's pastor, played some Jedi mind trick on me. Uh, he, was, he tricked me into it. He was a friend from college who was a little bit older than I was, and he, he just knew how to get me to say yes. And for some reason, reason working with, with kids at a church camp, just even for my hour, I wasn't even there the whole time. I just had to come in for an hour. I was more nervous for that than I was for preaching in front of a whole entire congregation in a main service. And so what I did was, is I over-prepared. It was my way of controlling my nerves and making sure that I didn't look like a, a lazy person who hadn't done anything to get ready for that moment. So I had lessons, I had my games, I had crafts, I had snacks, even though there was like their official snack time. <laughs> I had my own snacks, I went to Costco, I bought all kinds of stuff. Everything was all lined up and ready to go ahead of time, right? At this church, the, the kids outnumbered the adults. They were everywhere. And I had a hundred, I was responsible for an hour with 100 fourth grade girls, right? That's what I had. And so I prepared myself to run a tight ship. Like there was going to be no fooling around. And we we're going to be right on target, right on track. <laughs> now, it felt like I accomplished nothing during those weeks. Because I heard nothing except questions like this. Can I have a snack? Well, yes. <laughs> what are you doing next? Or where can I go next? What is happening next? It was always about how they're getting away from my class. Right? Can, I, can you help me with my craft? Or can I go to the bathroom? When is this going to be over? Right? Do you want me to do a trick? Uh, can I get some stuff from the game closet? Can I go find my mom? It was over and over again. And so it was a good thing that I stressed out and overprepared for that, right? <laughs> Answering questions every day for an hour. Right? Kids are, are the best at asking questions. They have zero insecurity or self-doubt. They will tell you exactly what they want and what they need. Now, as adults, we're a little different. We are much more self-conscious, and as a result, we can lose the ability to verbalize our desires or even to ask for help. And some of that's a, a good thing, right? If we zoom out, a little self-awareness never hurt. But on the other hand, Jesus did tell people to pay attention and to look at the little children and follow their lead in their faith. Maybe they have some things that, 
uh, figured out that we are still struggling with. And so let's run with this and, and think of it like this, Foundry Church. Jesus follow himself. He, he himself, our Lord, that we're forging our life on. He himself followed the lead of children when he was on earth. He asked a lot of questions. He was a a great storyteller, a great teacher, yes. He could have spoken on any topic at any time. He could have solved any uh, problem before it even came to the surface. And yet, he loved to get people involved and engaged in a particular topic, issue, or scenario. And one of the ways that he did that was by asking questions. That's what he did. And so in this new series of sermons that we kicked off last week, we are focusing specifically on on questions that Jesus asked that can stretch our faith, that can challenge us and help us to forge a little bit further in our lifelong reliance on God if we're courageous enough, brave enough to answer those questions. Right? right, questions that help us as we forge that lifelong reliance on God. And the question that we're going to look at today is one that any kid, any child would be happy to hear and even more excited to answer. Right, because listen, if you're anything like me, when you picture God asking you questions, you're not excited and you're not happy and you're not wanting to answer because usually when you're picturing God asking uh, your, you questions, it goes something like this. Andrew, when are you going to get your act together? Right, that's, that's, what, that's what I picture. Or, 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 or the Lord saying, hey, why do you keep messing up in this area where you know it's wrong? Right? Or, or I picture, how long are you going to keep struggling with that one thing? Or, or why don't you pray more or read your Bible more? Andrew, what are you doing? Right? And he's usually slapping his head like that when I picture this, right? Why can't you be more loving and patient with the people in your life? Why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you enough? Why are you so insecure about this? Why aren't you powerful enough to accomplish this? Right? That, that's what I picture, right? But the question we're going to look at today, like I said, it's going to be one that a kid's going to want to hear and want to answer because those aren't the questions rolling around in their head. Right? That, that Foundry Church, though, is a huge tension, Right? When those questions do roll around in our head. Right? They keep us from forging that lifelong reliance on God, don't they? Now you think about the questions that you have. And before you think you're too manly, before you think you're, you're too much of a leader, too, too strong to let these questions kind of seep into your life, like, yeah, I'll never verbalize that, right? Maybe you're thinking that, but, but be honest. Be a little authentic here. They're still floating around. Right? You may not verbalize it, but they're still floating around. Right? We have an internal dialogue of things that we believe God asks us to do. And although not all the questions are bad ones, we usually approach them from a position of, of shame, guilt, insecurity, doubt, powerlessness, purposefulness. I think I made up a word. <laughs> We believe that God is displeased with us because there is something wrong with us. Uh, that we, we don't measure up. We don't pass this kind of spiritual sniff test of sorts. See, we're, we're, whatever God is asking from us, we believe that we'll never be enough to make him happy or pleased. Or it says in Psalms, to have a smile upon his face when he looks at us. Right? Other times, we don't necessarily want to know the questions that God is asking. 
That's the other side of this thing, right? We don't want to know the questions. We're worried that he'll ask something like, well, are you willing to sell all your possessions and move to another country and be a missionary for me? We're worried about that. I don't want to be asked that question. Right? Or can you, can you prove your devotion to me by showing how committed you are with your words and actions? What does that mean, Lord? What are you calling me to do? Or, or we're afraid he'll ask us to do things that make our life boring and lifeless. We think that God is most pleased when our lives are the most rigid. We think he is 100% about rules and regulations and discipline and that there's a 0% about our wants and desires, that he's against us having fun and, and an abundant, awesome life to the full, as we read in Scripture. And so because of that, we, we dig ourselves into a hole, right? We give in to the, the whirlwind, the grind that is all around us. And so as we dig into our discussion today, I want you to think uh, about this. If Jesus were in front of you right now, what question do you think he would ask? Right? If the Lord, our God, the general, the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God that we're forging our life on was right here with us. We went out for lunch together. He was sitting across the table. He was with you. What question do you think he would ask? Right, this morning, in the moments that we have left, we're going to peel this onion, and we're going to look at the most unexpected questions that Jesus asked. Right, one of the, the, really, one of the most unexpected ones that we see in Scripture. And like I said, this is a question that any young child, any kid, all those kids that went downstairs, would be thrilled to answer or to hear and to have an answer ready. Right? In the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark records an account with Jesus and his disciples. They were, they were traveling by foot. They were walking when they came across a blind man. Let's check this story out. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now, uh, we don't put the scriptures on the screen behind me. We want you to grab a Bible. There's Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. You can have those Bibles. You can take those Bibles home with you. They are free for you. Or you can download the Foundry Burke app at your favorite app store. There's a QR code on back of some of the chairs. You download that Bible, that, or the Foundry app, and there's a Bible tab. You click the Bible tab, and Mark chapter 10 is already pulled up there. For you. All right, so do one of those. Let's read it together. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 in the New Testament. Use the table of contents if you have to. No problem with that. All right, says this. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. And I'll just keep your finger there. Right? In that time and culture, some people believed that individuals with physical or mental issues had done something to deserve the issue that they were dealing with. They had uh, did something wrong that deserved the ailment that they were dealing with. It was one of the false beliefs that Jesus challenged when he was here walking around on earth. Right? To a lot of people, a disability was not only a physical or a financial issue, but it was also a, a spiritual issue of their own doing. 
their own mistake of sorts. And so Mark, Mark continues with verse 47 there, same chapter. Right? A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. Verse, verse 47 says, When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. All right, real quick, all right? This was the blind man's first act of faith. He cried out to Jesus for mercy. All right, that was his first step in his faith journey. He cried out to Jesus for mercy. Man, found a church. Right, is it not true that so often when we are in a tough situation, when we're in a difficult season, we will blame Jesus, right? I mean, just, we all do it. I do it, right? We will turn our back on him. We'll turn to other people instead of Jesus, or we'll look for an escape. We'll, we'll keep Jesus at arm's length. We will bury ourselves in everything other than giving it to God, right? But not this guy, right? Not, not Bartimaeus. He put some action to it to those struggles, to that difficult situation. He put some good action to it. He was saying to himself, this guy, right, Bartimaeus, was saying to himself while he was crying out to God, by doing that, he was saying to himself, don't settle, Bartimaeus. <laughs> don't settle, Bartimaeus. He cried out without shame, without reserve. He did the tough thing, the right thing, the uncomfortable thing. What a man, right? <laughs> Don't settle, Bartimaeus. And when he called Jesus the son of David, it was his way of recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah who had been prophesied about in the Old Testament. And then, right, verse 48, go ahead in your Bibles, look with me. Be quiet. <laughs> We're thinking it's going here, but then someone shouts, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And this was the blind man's second act of faith, wasn't it? Right? He continued to cry out to Jesus. Yo, Bartimaeus, shut up. Be quiet. Right? This is your fault anyways while you're blind. It doesn't matter. But he continued to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on me. He didn't stop when people told him to be quiet. Right? Foundry. Again, right, don't, don't often we ask God to help us one time, and then once, uh, once that doesn't kind of work out or, or it's not on our timing, what do we do? We give up. We stop, right? We talk ourselves out of it. We settle. We let someone else talk us out of it. We give up hope. We distract ourselves. We, we settle, like I said. Again, not this guy. What a man he was, right? He, he was bold and he was relentless. And Jesus stopped and said, call to him. Verses 49 through 50. It's very simple. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Now, at this point, Jesus is calling Bartimaeus to another step of faith. Right? Jesus is laying this step of faith down for this blind man, Bartimaeus. 
right, take, take a look. This man responded with a third act of faith that was simply this. Right? He threw off his cloak. Right? He, he, he set it aside. He, he put it away from him, it says. For a beggar, a cloak was his blanket at night. Right, this, this cloak that, that we read that uh, he set aside, it was his blanket, it was his mattress, it was his pillow, it was his sense of security, it, it was what he kept all his possessions that he had under. Right? This blind man threw aside his security blanket to go to Jesus. That's what he did. Right? We all have things that represent our sense of security, don't we? Worry. Right? Worry. So we just worry about it. Money, alcohol, relationships, control, cynicism, work. We just lean into it. Parenting, technology, porn, drugs. The list is endless. All right, go on and on. The list is endless. We have things that we go to that help us cope with the harsh reality of life, that help us escape that grind of the whirlwind. Right? For some of us, it's not that our lives are particularly bad. It's just that we need something to help us escape that grind, that whirlwind of everyday life. In the midst of that, Jesus is inviting us to go straight toward him. Right? And so here comes the big question that Jesus asked, the question that we want to look at today. Here's the big question. Have you been doing everything that you're supposed to be doing, Bartimaeus? No. All right. Ron's like, wait a minute, that's not it. Right? That's not it, right? So, so right? that's not what he asked at all. He asked this, right? How well do you understand and follow the law, Bartimaeus? Are you checking all the boxes? Are you doing the right thing? That's not it either, is it? No, right? That's not it. Right? That was, the actual question is in verse 51. Look at it with me here. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. What do you want me to do for you, Bartimaeus? My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. What do you want me to do for you? Right? I told you it was a question that all kids would love to hear and would be excited to answer. Right? Can you imagine the answers? Well, I was thinking about this amusement park. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, right? right? Jesus took the time to ask the blind man what he wanted. Now, his, his question is not as obvious as we might think it was. I mean, think, let's, let's think about that real quick. In a different incident in the Gospels, when Jesus asked another man if he wanted to get well, if he wanted to get better, if he wanted to be healed, it appeared that the man's illness gave him an identity that he cherished more than being better. That he cherished this illness and, and the identity of being this, this sick person more than what a healing would bring. So we, we patronize people when we assume that we know how they want to be helped. And so not only did Jesus ask so that the blind man would verbalize his faith, he also let the blind man know that he was seen, that he was heard, that he was respected, right? As this low man in society, that he was loved, valued, that he was important, that this, this man that, that he was interacting with, that Jesus was interacting with, this Bartimaeus, this, this blind man had a purpose, that he had uh, an ability to have an adventureful life, life to the full, abundant life, and that Jesus could offer that. 
right? In our own lives, if we're going to answer this question, we have to figure out what we want, don't we? Think about it. And here's the thing. That takes work. That takes true reflection, which I don't know about you. That's not easy for me, right? Looking inside. It takes work. It takes a hammer to the anvil in a foundry type of work, hard, metal, banging, dirty work. In the book, A Praying Life, Thomas Merton, a Trappist monk, he says this. He says, why do we have to spend our lives striving to be something that we would never want to be? If only we knew what we wanted. If only we knew what we wanted. Now, most of us, we do not put God to the test, do we? We don't put God to the test. We do not ask for what we want. Therefore, we do not have the experience of answered prayer in our forging a lifelong reliance on God. We do not ask either because we do not think that our desires are spiritual or because we have not reflected. We haven't done that hard work of knowing what we want in light of our relationship, our connection, like we talked about last week, with God, our general, the Lord of Lords. Right, so we keep God at a distance because we do not want or do not realize how, how much he cares. We don't realize uh, that, that uh, we can trust our Lord, that we can trust that our general has this, this battle plan for us, that is for us, and that, he, that we are a part of it, a big part of it. We can't trust that. Now, on the other side of this, this crud, this junk of not trusting the general's battle plan, it's faith. Real faith. (laughs) And faith, on the other hand, gets us on our feet, and it gets us on our way toward Jesus. With boldness, tenacity, with courage and strength. It's getting us up on our feet, pointed in the right direction, with just a, a power that it's not from our own ability, but from the creator of all of the earth and of the heavens. So it gives us a resilience. It, it gives us this tenacity to attack, to step forward, to put a hammer to an anvil and to forge that lifelong reliance on God. This is what we have to do. We have to throw our cloak, our coat aside and tell him what we want. Just like Bartimaeus, we got to set it aside and we got to tell Jesus what it is. Let's think of it like this. It all comes down to this. If you're going to remember anything today, faith is about approaching and asking. Faith is about approaching our Lord and asking, rooted in his will, rooted in his purpose, rooted in who he is as we forge that life on him. <laughs> that is throwing off the cloak. It's not about sitting back and just hoping. It's not about just settling, right? It's not about retreating to our safety nets that we talked about, our security blankets. It's not, it's not about us distracting ourselves with those things. It's about us following the example of Bartimaeus and walking straight towards Jesus. It's about us following the example of a blind man who walked straight toward Jesus. 
And let's look at what happened. Verse 51 through 52 again, right? What do you want from me, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. He lived in an adventure, right? He got up. He could see. He lived life to the full. He followed Jesus. He didn't settle. You know, there was a funny story. Uh, Christina and I went with her family to, um, where did we go? Fort Myers area um, in June. And uh, one of our nephews, our nephew, he had a, a bag of combos. You know what I'm talking about? The, yeah, the chips, the, well, the pretzels, Stephen. Thanks for messing me up. <laughs> They're pretzels, yeah, the, the snack. And he, uh, yeah, the pizza stuff. He had the pizza ones. All right, we're, we're digressing here. All right. <laughs> he, he had the combos, and he was eating them. We had just gotten done fishing, and we got off the boat. And uh, uh, our, my father-in-law, Christina's dad, was like, hey, Simeon, what do you have? He said, I got, I got combos. Well, Bob, my father-in-law, was like, well, I would like some. Do you got any for me? And Simeon's like, nope, ate the last one. <laughs> right? uh, kids, right? Come on. And so the next day, we went fishing again, and we stopped at the gas station on the way back. He's like, I got to go in. Simeon, he's 10. He's like, I got to go in. I got to get Grandpa some combos. He really wanted some yesterday, and I ate them. And so he brings them, he brings them to, to his grandpa, and he gives them this big bag of combos. And Bob sits there, and he eats all of them. Every single one of them. And Simeon's just watching him like, right? And he says this. This is what he says. Bob gets up, and, and Simeon gets up, and he follows him. And Simeon leans over to me as he walks by, and he says, what a man. <laughs> what a man. He ate every single one of those combos. What a man. And then he's, I said, Simeon, so where are you going? He's like, I'm going to see what else he eats. Right? He, he followed along for the adventure. Right? So how do we take this powerful story, not the story of Simeon and Bob, but the story of Bartimaeus, how do we take this story and apply it to our lives? What do we do with it, right? What, what, how do we handle this? How do we instill it into our lives? How do we take these peanuts and make some peanut butter? What are some of the ways that we can put this into practice? And I think that the first step is asking ourselves this, what do I want Jesus to do for me? What do I want Jesus to do for me? Don't settle for combos, all right? What do I want Jesus to do for me? I mean, if Jesus were in front of you right now, like we said, you were sitting knee to knee with the general, with the, with the Lord of the universe, and he asked you, right, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer? Would you be courageous enough to be open, honest, and bold with God to put your ego aside? What would you say? What would you say? Right? If, in what area do you feel a little blind like Bartimaeus? Maybe a, a little low like Bartimaeus? You know, an outcast of society, a little hurt or lost, distracted, insecure, weakened. Uh, something in your life where you just keep pulling that security blanket over yourself. Whatever that thing is, I encourage you to approach Jesus with bold faith. And ask him for mercy. What's it going to hurt? 
Ask him to help you, heal you, rescue you, to help you to tend your field, as Paul talks about. Right? We all have been given a field to tend, to work, to foster, to steward. So as the, the band comes up, the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament, he, he wrote this. Chapter 11, verse 6, simply says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him right, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Sometimes faith is simply being like a child and earnestly telling the father what you want from him. That's it, right? And then here's the, here's the next question. What is the cloak? What is the, the coat, maybe some of your translations we're talking about, that you need to throw down, to toss aside, to let go, right? Instead of going to Jesus and, and fighting for mercy, what is it that you, you typically go to for that sense of security? It might be something, by the definition of this world, is a good thing. It might be a good thing. But you made, kind of made it in an idol by making it that security blanket. I mean, that first thing that pops into your head right now, you know what it is. There's a, another verse in Hebrews that I absolutely love, and it says this, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Throwing it off. What would it look like for you to set aside that cloak and just run to Jesus with that weight off of you, with that crud off of you, that junk that is off of you. There is no better day than today to lose the security blanket. Toss it aside. You've been hiding in it for too long. You've been living with it for too long. You've been pulling it up over you for too long. Put your faith in him above anything else. Imagine. Boundary Church. Imagine if you knew what you wanted from Jesus, how that fit into the game plan of your life. And imagine if you had the confidence to ask him for it. And then you may not exactly, you may not get exactly what you want as soon as you want it. But your faith will be stretched as you continually set aside your fake security, your crutch, your coat, your cloak, however you want to describe it, if you set that aside and you walk to him, your faith is going to be stretched. You're going to live life to the full, abundant life, life that you were created to live. Again, not the easiest of life, but the life that you were created to live. Remember, faith is about approaching and asking. It's about approaching the throne room of God and asking him to move 
in mighty and powerful ways. And today is a great day to begin doing just that. Do the work, forge ahead, throw off what distracts from that. And we can help you do that here at the Foundry. Stop by the info center, get a resource. Go to the app, fill out a prayer request, that cloak. You can just do it anonymously. We won't share that with anyone. We'll just pray over that with you, for you. That's what it's about. Let's stand and let's worship our God.